Welcome to 1514, the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Our goal is to help Christians understand the truth of Romans 1514, that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm one of your hosts, Curtis Solomon. And I'm Lakin Brandt, your other host. Be sure to check out more resources from the BCC at biblicalcc.org. In this episode of 1514, we have a returning guest, Joy Forrest. You can listen to our previous episode with Joy in episode 128 of 1514. In this episode, we're going to drill into a new aspect of the ministry of Call to Peace Ministries, in particular, the church partnership ministry. Joy and her team have realized that churches want to do the right thing in helping people who are coming out of abuse relationships, but they often don't know what to do. So Call to Peace has decided to put together a team of people, including former pastors and current pastors, who can go in and train and equip churches how to recognize and respond to abuse in the church. I was really excited about this new aspect of their ministry and wanted to help you find out more about it and how you can get in touch with them and help make your church a safe place and a place where people who are in abusive relationships know that they're going to be cared for well. I hope you enjoy today's episode. This episode is brought to you in part by the IBCD Summer Institute. Are you passionate about biblical counseling and discipleship? Then don't miss out on the Institute for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship's annual Summer Institute, taking place June 22nd through 24th of this year. IBCD exists to strengthen churches and one another care. They serve organizations and individuals who share a passion to see believers equipped through life struggles with the Word of God. They offer all kinds of tools for the counselor through conferences and training events, extensive topic-based courses, observation videos, their Hope and Help podcast, tons of free resources, and more. They've got an amazing lineup of speakers and workshops at this event that are sure to equip and inspire you for ministry. We're thrilled to announce that the BCC will be sponsoring the event, and I'll be one of the speakers. And here's the best part. IBCD is offering special discounts on tickets. Supporting churches and IBCD donors can enjoy 20% off their tickets, while current students can get 15% off. They're also offering special group rates for groups of six or more people. If you can't make it in person, don't worry. They're providing a special live streaming option, and your ticket includes a downloadable file of all the great conference content. So whether you're a seasoned counselor or just starting out, make sure to mark your calendars for IBCD's Summer Institute. Register today by visiting ibcd.org events and take advantage of these incredible savings. We can't wait to see you all there. Well, Joy Forrest, welcome back to 1514. It's a pleasure to have you back with us. Thank you, Curtis. I'm glad to be back. So for those who haven't heard the earlier episode, which we'll put in the show notes, um, and who don't know you, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about Call to Peace Ministry? Sure. Um, So I'm Joy Forrest, and I have an MABC um, from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and um, started Call to Peace Ministries in about 2015 because I saw a huge need um, for resources, um, Bible, scripture-based resources for women. I had actually um, gotten a job in a domestic violence shelter years ago. It was not a job I was looking for, but they invited, I was helping somebody um, get out of a situation and there really were no resources. The church was not able to help her. And so um, when I went, I just gave them my story and told them I'd love to volunteer and they called me and I did a little volunteering for them, which led to a job. Um, and I really believe that the Lord put me there to be educated 
I saw Christian women walking in the doors of that shelter and asking me, why does my pastor care more about my marriage than my life? Why does my pastor not see what this is doing to my kids? And so um, they were just, they were pretty baffled and confused about um, the lack of knowledge. I, I really would say it's a lack of knowledge because I lived with domestic abuse myself for 23 years and I didn't call it abuse. I saw it as a marriage problem. And so um, just that lack of resource for these women who were coming through abuse and seeing them walk into shelters and then telling the shelters, my pastor says I need to do whatever it was, um, work on the marriage. And, and the, the shelter people are thinking this is going to endanger her more. And so it really was a bad witness to the world. And so that kind of uh, situation and then going to, through seminary and becoming a biblical counselor and doing counseling in my church and seeing Again, that the church often saw it as a marriage problem, mm. and they were missing what was happening to the women and the children who were living with uh, domestic violence. And we know it's mostly a, uh, a problem for women, mm -hmm. um, and men tend to be the abusive people. So when I talk, I'm mo mostly going to say she or her um, doesn't mean that men cannot be victims of abuse, but it's far more rare. Yeah. So we started. Call to Peace Ministry started in 2015. We just started with um, some scripture-based support groups in 2017. Um, and then we started an advocacy curriculum in uh, 2019, January of 2019. So the advocacy program, um, which is not something I was looking to do, but um, it was definitely a God thing. Since we have been doing that, we were raising up advocates, and we actually had some pastors who came through our advocacy training, including a couple of um, pastors that were on our board. And um, as I was going into churches and help, trying to help pastors understand how to deal with domestic abuse, I started thinking, I bet it would be a whole, really nice if I, we had a pastor working for us who could go and who could relate to these pastors and know where they're coming from and they could, you know, relate more. And so um, I asked one of the pastors who was serving on our board at the time, and uh, his name was Jim Upchurch. Well, it still is. He's just not. <laughs> he's only calling us these days. He's no longer an employee. But I said, Jim, would you be interested in working for Call to Peace maybe five hours a week or something? And he said, well, I just talked to my church about going by vocational. And so Jim came on as our first church partnership uh, liaison and um, was going into churches. And sure enough, the pastors really could relate more to him than to me as a survivor of abuse and even as a biblical counselor. Although some of them, you know, really, uh, I was pretty well received in a lot of them. Uh, I just felt like some of them needed that extra connection. And so from there, we ended up hiring a man named Dan Beck. Um, and he came on, he, um, the gym really had too many other things going on in life. And so he ended up, um, he leaving, but he still volunteers with us on our church partnership team. Um, but Dan is now working with us full time and, um, he has really developed this program, which we call our church partnership program in which we go into churches and um, we help do a little bit of training on domestic abuse. And then um, we will work cases of domestic abuse with them because it's so counterintuitive, so hard to understand. Um, and so we've seen great um, results from this program. And so I'm really excited. And I think I might've given you more than just background on me. I've already gone through what we're 
talk about today. That's all right. <laughs> You're st- still in a little bit of thunder, but I think there's still a lot of thunder left to be to be heard because that's what I wanted to talk to you about today specifically was the church partnership program. And if you want more information about Call to Peace Ministries or the other things that you do, you can check out our other episode as well as go to the website calledtopeace.org. But you, you, you started telling us a little bit about where this church partnership came from. Um, and the fact that you have some pastors that are helping you build the bridges with these churches. But tell us a little bit, kind of, because I, I think probably the services you provide in that avenue fall into three different areas, kind of pre-abuse, maybe surrounding an abuse, like actually speaking into an abuse situation, and then also maybe helping a church after something like that has come up. How do you... Um, how do you enter into a church specifically in in those categories and help them handle the the complex, difficult, and confusing uh, situations that that arise in a view, in abuse? Yeah. Um, well, I was the first one that started doing this, and what would happen is generally it would come up as a marriage problem, and so um, sometimes. Well, most of the time, a woman would be referred to me because she was having a marital problem and, and maybe their her counselor or um, somebody even in the church might have said, you know, I think you need to go over and see the people at Call to Peace Ministries because this is not responding well to marriage counseling and it seems a little oppressive, whatever it may be. So I would um, meet with her, determine what was going on, the patterns of abuse going on in the home. Or sometimes they would say, is this really abuse? So they would send her over to me. Is this really abuse? Because it seems like to me she's angry and she's just as bad as he is. And you'll see that a lot with domestic abuse because people with trauma have this tendency to um, have emotional regulation issues. Um, so I would meet with um, the victim and and discern what patterns were going on and then i would um, go over and meet with the church so that's originally how it started and so we see that um, most of the original contacts we made with churches back then were um, on the on behalf of an one individual victim Mm -hmm. of abuse and so then we would go in and just meet with them talk to them um, and talk about you know patterns of abuse what abuse looks like how the best response um, might look because many times, you know, we want our intuition as Christian people. I mean, for me, it was that way for years, even after coming out of abuse and working as a counselor, my goal was still to restore the marriage. And now my goal has changed. I want to restore the person to, to God and to Jesus, uh, to, um, to who he is, to know who he is. Because when somebody has been through domestic abuse they have forgotten the goodness of god i promise you i've lived through it and uh living with that kind of trauma you start questioning god's goodness even though on the outside i was serving god i was teaching ladies bible studies and um working with the youth group in my church at the time there were many things that i was doing to serve in ministry but inside i'm thinking god hates divorce and yet he he hasn't saved my marriage i've prayed i've been praying faithfully i've been doing everything that i can to save this marriage and things are getting worse. And so things like that will cause doubts in her and her faith will come into question. I would have never walked away from my faith, but honestly, in deep in my heart, I had these questions about his goodness. And I've seen this with every 
um, survivor victim of abuse that I've ever worked with that are that we start questioning God and his goodness. And so that has to be restored first off. And um, so um, would you just remind me the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. I uh, wanted to see when you go into a church, uh, you talked about going in primarily you have a situation where somebody is in a, in an abusive situation, but you also offer, now you're offering, uh, I, I believe it's called protect the flock training. So in a sense, yeah. going in be yes. pre, um, yes. you, there's yeah, not okay. a known situation going on, but you're helping equip the church yes. to, yeah. Yeah. So originally we started out going in, working one case at a time with the church. And then um, over time, I was also, um, well, we coordinated some trainings and Jim had the idea of calling it protect the flock because we realized that a lot of times churches, um, I think a lot of times it's just uh, an oversight. We don't know how to protect victims of abuse. So um, I just love that name. And so it has stuck and we've been doing it for three or four years now, I believe. And so we, we offer these protect the flock trainings. Um, and then as Dan came in and took over the role of the um, church partnership uh, program, I think he's called coordinator. He started um, reaching out to denominations in specific churches and areas. Um, and so we're doing those trainings uh, all over the country now, really. Um, and, and what we find is that it is, it's been very well received. And a lot of times we'll go in, it, it can be, usually it's about a three to four hour training. And this is like, you are not going to get enough training in three to four hours to learn how to deal with domestic abuse, but it's right. enough for, to help them recognize this is what it looks like. And these are the common mistakes. And so how to avoid making mistakes uh, that would bring further harm to victims of abuse and things like that. Um, so we've been doing that now. Um, I guess since Dan came on, maybe he came on two years ago, I think. And um, it's just really exciting because the churches have really embraced it. Um, and we are seeing it's making a huge difference in the way they respond to domestic abuse. In fact, we have a, an annual retreat. And last year, a woman came up to me and she said, call to peace, save my life. And I mm. looked at her like, OK, she said, let me explain. First of all, my church was really not understanding and the way they were responding, it was not helping. In fact, it was making things worse for me. And then um, uh, I think Dan came in and started talking to my pastors and helped them understand and see more clearly. And then she talked about how she had an, an advocate who helped her out through the court process and how she was in a support group to, that helped her move forward in her healing and finally just stopped and said, basically called to peace, saved my life. And she she had tears in her eyes. And I thought, oh, my, it really is working that like God is doing amazing things um, because you know, we were answering his 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 uh, chosen fast, right? To yeah. set the help, let the oppressed go free, and to you know break every to break the chains of bondage of oppression. And this is what domestic abuse is: it's oppression. And so, um, that church partnership program has been so effective. Um, it, the churches are really. Um, responding well to it because we're not there to bash the church for getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. I, I said before I lived with domestic abuse for 23 years and I didn't call it abuse until the very end when he tried to kill me because I, I just thought it was a marriage problem. 
And so because it's very counterintuitive, because many times abusive people look very charming and um, they seem more put together than victims of abuse. And so it it can look like it is a marital problem. It can look like regular, well, not necessarily regular, but it can look like marital conflict rather than oppression, where somebody has all the power and somebody else has no voice. And so... um, being able to help churches understand that is is a good step in the right direction to help them uh, know how to deal with it um, in a more effective way. And if those marriages are going to be saved, it needs to be done in a specific way because it can't, uh, it does not usually, I've never seen it happen once where marriage counseling worked. In fact, most of the time it just makes things worse. And so we have, we help them if, if the survivor wants to work on that marriage or, you know, uh, we, we try to give the survivor her agency and give her her voice back. And so um, we work alongside churches um, and we, we ask, we tell them that, look, you're, look, you're t- working with somebody who's not had a voice for years. And so we really encourage you not to tell her what to do, but rather to work alongside her. Because most of the women that we serve at Cult of Peace Ministries, we're a Christian ministry. Most of the women who come through our ministry really want to honor and serve the Lord. Mm-hmm. And they're not um, looking for a divorce like so many of them have been accused of doing God hates divorce. I'll tell you, as a person who's been through divorce, I hated every minute of it. Mm. I hated, it, but it was necessary. Uh, I don't think I would be alive today if I hadn't divorced. So um, we want to make sure that we're um, reconnecting these individuals with God and that we're um, honoring what he would honor first. He honors individuals. Jesus always honored individuals over um institutions and even the law when you look at the way he treated the woman at the well or the way he um, treated the woman who was about to be stoned for adultery um, and even how he healed on the sabbath against what the religious people said i know this is not shouldn't be happening on the sabbath and jesus said don't you know that um, the sabbath was made for man and not man for the sabbath it's the same thing with marriage i believe God said it is not good for man to be alone. He created marriage for people. And so when we start using that as a um, the goal of our counseling, then we all of a sudden have put an institution above God's heart for individuals. Yeah. And this, this church partnership ministry is really helping multiply the ministry uh, exponentially because instead of getting called in on a one-to-one identifying uh, like a situation where abuse has been identified and you guys coming alongside to advocate or to counsel, you're equipping the churches to identify, advocate, counsel as well, which is, which is really fantastic. You mentioned that the Protect Your Flock training includes overview of some common mistakes that churches make handling abuse. Would you mind sharing uh, just some of those that, that you see that are common and that might encourage a pastor or a church leader to have you guys come and do that training? Yeah, absolutely. Um, f- number one, we've already mentioned or I've, a couple of times that it's a marriage problem. It is not a marriage problem. And I've, I've often likened it to somebody, let's say you're dealing with somebody who's an addict and you would bring them in for marriage counseling. Now, what are you doing to cause him to use drugs? You know, let's say he's had that problem since beforehand. You really need to separate these folks out and talk to them. He has to deal with his stuff before you can work on the marriage at all. And so, um, 
I would um, say that treating it as a marriage problem is one of the most common mistakes. Secondly, thinking that it is a 50-50 problem, all right? Mm -hmm. It takes two to tango, all of those things. Well, honestly, um, it is not a mutual problem. Even though she may be reacting in a sinful way, she may be blowing up because he pushes her buttons over and over and over and over again. In fact, I had a case that I worked years ago where he would just belittle her and blast her and then on and on and on. And she would explode finally at the end and he would record her reaction to him and then go show it to the church uh, pastors Mm. and say, look what I'm having to live with here. So um, understanding that it is not a mutual issue, that it's not 50 50, that um, she is not causing him to treat her that way. I think that that is one of the biggest mistakes I see that they want to put um, the burden of the abuse on the victim. And that's happened over and over and over again. Uh, I've seen it in the many years that I've been doing this work. So, and then another problem that we see, or um, I guess a false narrative that, that people fall for is that um, he can't help himself. We may even see the abuser as the victim. And a lot of times when somebody is confronted with their abusive behavior, they will play the victim. And they will say, well, I'm the victim here because, or I I couldn't help myself because. So they may um, blame uh, even a mental illness, or they may blame drugs or alcohol, or they just may, the the abuser may blame the victim, you know, if she hadn't done this. So he, he will try to make excuses for the abuse. And honestly, there is no excuse. There's nothing that causes these guys to abuse necessarily i mean unless they're detached from reality and they're psychopaths or something they they can make they're making decisions um that sometimes they're not very self-aware and they don't realize the impact of their decisions but they are making the decision and so um helping them understand that is is really important in fact you know Curtis, we actually have a group for men who are abusive we use chris mole's curriculum the men of peace curriculum Um, But what we found is a lot of these women do want their marriages to work out. And so um, they want to know that they've tried everything. And we know that guys like this very rarely change with counseling alone. And the group dynamic is way more powerful. I mean, they need counsel plus the group dynamic. And so we've actually started a group. Um, We kind of keep it on the down low because (laughs) I, I know Chris has got probably a thousand people on his waiting list um and so we started doing it just because there are not enough of these groups especially from a, a biblical perspective out there yeah um, yeah. No, that's, yeah that's really great yeah because it is um that was one of the big things i took away early on like very practical uh is that when you when you get a situation when you start to uncover that it is abuse because it, it's usually in i think in a church counseling context if somebody comes in, they're going to come in and talk about marriage problems, and you're going to move forward treating it that way. But as soon as you begin to find out, like, ooh, this this is something else, it, the marriage counseling has to stop. You have to divide, and it goes in totally different direction, which you guys train on how to do that. Um, but identifying that sometimes is is hard, and I think that's where your training can come in to help people realize, like, ooh, maybe this isn't what they – the presenting problem is not the real problem, which is true in most counseling anyway. Um, but it goes deeper when it, when abuse is involved for sure. Um, so let's say you had a church so that, uh, whether they've gone through the protective flock training or not, 
they uncover they have an abuse situation going on in the church and they're not sure how to handle it. Can they reach? How can they reach out to you, and what do you provide them in the midst of handling, processing, dealing with an abuse case? So they can reach out to us by just emailing churchpartners at calledtopeace.org, and that's just all spelled out. Um, and don't forget the ED at the end of called. It comes from 1 Corinthians seven fifteen, <laughs> And so um, just reach out, and they can request the consult with Dan, or Andre is also a pastor on our church partnership team. Um, so they can get that that initial consult. Um, we don't, again, we don't really have a set fee for anything that we do. We just ask donations if people um, are helped by the work. And if, if we do go out and do a protect the flock in person, we would ask them to just cover our um, travel expenses. But we just want churches to get this. We are, um, we are very um, blessed when we see the responses, the churches change the way they're responding to abuse by actually going in. And, and they are so grateful because they're like, oh, that works. This works. Because what <laughs> and so it's just it's a mutual blessing on our part. I, I, the last Protect the Flock we did was out in Tacoma. And I looked in a, and there were 100 people there, I think. And I said, this is like Christmas morning for me. There's nothing that I would love to see better than just to see all these pastors and church leaders sitting here listening and learning about domestic abuse. Now, we can't fully equip them in that right. little session. So what we do is we connect them um, with resources. We have advocates at Call to Peace Ministries who've been through a one-year program that we have, the training program, and um, who can help them understand the dynamics as they're going through. But we also recommend that churches get a couple of people at least um, in their church trained as advocates so that we can kind of bow back out. It's kind of like really mm-hmm. discipleship for domestic abuse. And so mm-hmm. we're we're suggesting that they get this more intensive training because again they're not going to be able to get it and and honestly you could go to a a weekend uh, conference that lasted longer you could go for a lot of hours of training and still it's such a complex issue you need more and so what we're offering them is a team approach um, because we have advocates who will work with them we have the pastors who will work with them um, we will help them come up with a policy, a domestic violence policy, mm-hmm. or um, even uh, we basically have this policy that, uh, you know, a sample policy that they can look at and, and devise their own um, and make it a statement to their congregation. How do you start dealing with this in a, in a way in your congregations that's effective? Because um, many survivors of abuse are very gun shy and scared to go back into a church because they have been um, well, just in our experience in our ministry, a lot of them have lost their churches when they mm. lost their marriages because they decided to leave and get safe. Um, a lot of times they were actually put under church discipline and uh, they had to leave the church. So um, it, it's so beautiful for me to see churches that are getting this and they are embracing um, th- these women who have been so wounded by other churches. It's, it's, um, it's just, a, it's so beautiful. I can't come up with another word. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> it really is. No, that's good. The, what you mentioned, the sample uh, abuse policy, do you, is that available on your website or do people need to contact you and uh, get that from you? No. It, well, it's available to our church partners. So what we do ah, is again, yeah don't have a set fee, but what we, we are a nonprofit and we yep. 
do need to survive. So we have um, what we have done is say that a church who wants to partner with us, basically that it could be just one donation a year, um, whatever they feel the Lord leads. But we um, give extra resources to our church partners. So yeah. we give access to all of our former conferences there up online. And so they can go in and watch those, that training. We've done a lot of, um, we've done two or three conferences with Chris Moles. And he did one a workshop with us on developing a church-wide response team. So they'll have access to all of those things. They get copies of um, the Call to Peace book and then the workbook so that they could, if they're interested in starting support groups um, in their church, we have um, a couple, well, not, I'm not going to say unlimited copies. We'll give copies to the staff. I think there's mm-hmm. a limit to it. I don't know the exact number. Um, so, and we will do the consultation on individual cases. But the the goal is that that church becomes equipped so that we're not having to come in and and help them with every single case in the future because they've learned through that. Yeah. But they still have us as a backup, and they can always call on us because some of them are so complex. I've been doing this work since 1997. And I still have to call people and say, hey, how would you handle this? Mm, Or we get situations that are so dangerous that we always want to be um, looking at how what's the best way to keep this person safe? You know, this family safe. And so we will I will consult with people um, to this day with situations that we have. As I like what Chris Mole says, if you've seen one case of domestic abuse, you've seen one case of domestic abuse. It's not like. They're all alike. They're very different. And so it's good. We have this team that is available for your church um, to help you understand how to respond um, and to work with. I mean, I think Chris has got the the market on how to deal with the, with the man. He really, mm-hmm. I mean, his peace work stuff. I mean, he's he does have things for the victims, um, but his uh, men of peace training that he does, he does it once a year up in West Virginia. Um, to understand how to work with the men, but even going in to work with these men, if you haven't dealt with domestic abuse before, you are, it's, it's easy to be fooled by abusive people. They can be very charming and deceptive and you can get fooled in, into thinking uh, that there's repentance when there hasn't been any repentance. So we are yeah. also available to cons- consult and we stay in touch with the victim. In fact, we, even with men of peace groups, it's one point uh, the, or our group that we're doing, we will have an advocate working with the victim. So she can say whether or not she believes that's genuine mm. uh, change and she could be fooled too, because I certainly was many times, but we have a whole team of people. So we have somebody working with him. He should have an accountability partner. Um, She should have an advocate and a counselor. He should have a counselor as well. And so there's really going to need to be a team of people because this issue is so complex that um, it is very rare to see it. Um, very quickly it usually takes a lot of time it, it, you are going to be have to be invested for not just a couple of weeks or months it's usually going to be years and so you have a partner in that and somebody that you can contact and um, consult with whenever you need yeah no that's that is really helpful to know you you kind of hinted at it or didn't hint at it you talked about it um and i'm curious to see if you've gotten the opportunity in a sense on the on the tail end um, you mentioned that there are a few churches who have acknowledged 
their error in mishandling abuse cases in the past, and now they want to repent and maybe they want to reconcile with somebody. So, for instance, uh, the this happens, and you mentioned it specifically, where somebody was removed from church membership because they went through a divorce or they wouldn't uh, move to reconciliation as quickly as they the church wanted or um, maybe put in a uh, restraining order in place and they actually remove the person being abused from church membership and then later realize they were in the wrong. Have you gotten into and do you guys provide any type of restoration, reconciliation help to those churches if they want to reconcile or the person who is removed wants to reconcile with their church? Well, not we don't have a specific mem, uh, ministry for that, but what we have seen is that a lot of times when we come in and we've done the protect the flock trainings, even when we were doing um, conferences, we now just do the retreat once a year. But when we were doing conferences for people helpers, um, we would always do survivor stories. And so the, the survivors would get up and tell their story. And I, even in those conferences, we had um, a couple of counselors who got up and said, uh, went to speak, to the um, survivors who gave their stories. And they said, oh, so when the first one was actually um, somebody I know and love and admire as a, as a counselor, but he went up to her and said, I'm so sorry I missed it. I didn't see mm-hmm. it. I was just blind to it. And so we're seeing that with the um, Protect the Flock trainings. And honestly, I've had multiple pastors say I, I had to call some people, and I did. And mm-hmm. I just appreciate that they're doing that. And yeah. honestly, that's all they would need to do. There doesn't need to be a reconciliation. If most of these victims just want to hear them say, I missed it. That huge for them to hear that, um, you know, a genuine apology will go a long way with a survivor of abuse. (laughs) I promise, uh, that it just, when it happened in our conferences, I saw the women just start weeping. Like I never thought I would hear that. I never thought I would hear it. It's just, um, an amazing thing and it's so powerful um because you know this the heart behind domestic abuse is this heart of pride and entitlement and so we don't want to see that in our churches and so when church can be uh, or church leaders can humble themselves before somebody that they've missed it is is um is something that is life-changing you know, and it says in scripture that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I have seen such powerful ministries born out of that kind of humility where there people are willing to admit that they were wrong about something. And I see such damage done when people, you know, just um, they're absolutely not bending. We're doing it right. You don't know mm-hmm. what you're talking about, you know, so um but it just makes all the difference in the lives of people. Like, are you going to bring life and speak life into this person by being humble enough to learn and to, um, to do what it takes to set the oppressed free, as it says in Isaiah 58, or are you going to, um, you know, just basically dig in your heels and say, well, we know what we're doing. I had a pastor tell me that one time I, I I went to see him and I was just trying to show him the patterns of abuse that were going on. And he looked at me and he says, you think I don't know this stuff? And I, and I said, well, have you had any training on domestic abuse? No, but I took counseling, extra counseling classes in seminary. And he just wouldn't hear what I had to say, which made me really sad because what happened is the, the couple ended up divorcing. She ended up leaving the church. Um, and I'm sure that was, I mean, I think she got away before she ended the divorce happened, but 
honestly, I mean, I think if there was going to be a better outcome for that, for that family, if he had just listened and we had done it the right way, you know, um, worked with the individuals to try to both restore them both to God. I don't know that it would have happened because we do know that people who have this heart of pride and entitlement are not likely to, many times are not willing to change, not yeah. necessarily likely, but it's possible, but not always probable. And, yeah. um, so. Well, may we all have more of Christ in us. And he definitely demonstrated humility as Philippians 2 is clear to tell us we should have this attitude in us, which was in him. Um, and, Humility is the path to unity. Humility is the path to learning, uh, to growing ministry. It's a, like the right kind of ministry uh, and demonstrating really the love of Christ in the ch- in the world. So, well, Joy, we could talk forever and ever, but we have overshot our, our normal podcast time, but I'm thankful for it, really encouraged by what you're doing. So I want to encourage you, if you're an audience member, if you are in church leadership or involved in church leadership, consider reaching out and becoming a church partner and taking advantage of the many things that Call to Peace Ministry offers. Uh, and just that the list of resources that are open to you, I think, would make it worth your while. And then, too, if you're an individual and maybe you don't want, you're not involved in a church, but you'd like to support that ministry, be sure to check out calltopeace.org and make a donation there to support uh, Joy and, the, and her team and the other the work that they're doing to really bring hope, encouragement, help, and healing to some really uh, tragic situations. So, Joy, thank you so much for being with us on 1514 today. Thank you, Curtis. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And special thanks to our team who helped make this podcast possible. My assistant, Rebecca Mullins, helps coordinate these interviews. And our podcast engineer, Caleb Lau, does a great job editing and putting everything together. We look forward to you joining us next time.